Welcome to St. Martin Fields, and welcome to Great Sacred Music. Special welcome to those online. And for those of you who are aficionados of Great Sacred Music, those who have perhaps attended every single one of the nearly 500 Great Sacred Musics that have been since we began 10 years ago, will notice there's something just slightly different about today, not just because we have Olivia conducting, but in place of the voices, we have our choral scholars. I think that's the first time in nearly 500 great sacred musics that the choral scholars have led us. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful thing? And uh, as I said last week, I think you'll find, as they say on the side of the chocolates, chocolate box, some of the, the chocolates may be different from in the picture, but they are chocolates of equal quality. We're marking Pentecost. Uh, in the church calendar, it comes this weekend, 50 days after Easter, the Jewish festival of Shavuot, or known in English as the Feast of Weeks, was celebrated on the 50th day after Passover. It marked the wheat harvest, but was also the moment when uh, Israel celebrated the giving of the law on Mount Sinai to Moses. And it was one of the three pilgrimage festivals along with, of course, Passover and Tabernacles. And just as the story of Good Friday is unimaginable without the setting of Passover and the teeming numbers of pilgrims in the town, so the story of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit in wind and fire, is unimaginable with, with, without the same teeming numbers of people in Jerusalem for the festival of Shavuot. And wind and fire are the great themes of that Pentecost uh, story because the truth of Christianity really rests on the transformation of those dispirited and discouraged disciples from sheltering with the doors locked in the upper room to being galvanized to speak across the whole world. And the two events that crystallize that transformation are, of course, Jesus' resurrection that turned despair into hope <clears throat> and Pentecost that turned the isolation of those 12 disciples uh, into the explosive joy uh, of spreading the gospel. So a crucial day in the church's year, uh, I guess uh, contained in Acts 2 verse 17 that Peter quotes, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, just as Luke's gospel begins with the descent of the Holy Spirit onto Jesus at his baptism. So Acts, which we assume was written by the same author, has the descent of the Spirit uh, on the disciples. You may be familiar with the, the name Whitson. Whitson is a, is a UK name uh, for Pentecost, White Sunday, Whitson. Uh, all sorts of theories about why, where the name Whitson came from. Probably the most plausible is it in the days when most people baptized were adults. Uh, that would be the day people would put on their white clothes uh, after their baptism, hence the, the name Whitsunday. But there's lots of other theories. And it's, it became, it was really the first bank holiday, the first holiday season of the summer in the old days. And so it became uh, a time for pageantry and general revelry, which you can do later if you'd like. So it's our tradition at Great Sacred Music to start with a hymn. We're going to start with Come Holy Spirit Come, which you can find on the inside of your sheets, written by Michael Forster, a retired URC minister, also a clarinetist and an accomplished 
furniture maker. So if there are any accomplished clarinetists or furniture makers with us today, you might have a future as a distinguished hymn writer as well. Here he presents a holistic vision of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We remain seated. The voices, as I beg your pardon, the choral scholars will stand and lead us as we sing together, Come Holy Spirit, Come. Now, we're going to hear a, a couple of fascinating pieces on the theme of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit. The first written by Charles Coffin, who was rector of the University of Paris in the early 18th century. You might recognize his name because he also wrote on Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry, and one or two others that we still sing. He was a Jansenist. Now, I'm not going to pin you to the wall and ask you to define what a Jansenist for me, I'm just, just going to give you a couple of notes on it because it's quite fascinating. Blaise Pascal was also a Jansenist, also Jean Racine. It was the assertion that God's role in the infusion of grace cannot be resisted and does not require human assent. Got that? There won't be a test later. It, it's basically a more Calvinist version of Catholicism that arose in the 17th century, became very, very controversial and was eventually banned by the Pope in 1713, but didn't really go away. And of course, the Jesuits at the time uh, were very keen to destroy it. So the battles between the Jesuits and the Jansenists were a big feature of the early 18th century, particularly in France. 
So that's O Holy Spirit, Lord of Grace. And then we're going to hear a poem by Robert Bridges, a fascinating person in his own right, born in 1844. He was uh, a medical doctor, but was forced to retire with lung disease um, when he was not yet 40, uh, but was also a prolific poet, in fact, so prolific that he became Poet Laureate in 1913 and then headed up the committee that put together all the patriotic poems of the First World War period, of which uh, Jerusalem by William Blake was probably the most famous. Uh, He was the only medical graduate to become Poet Laureate. There's your niche fact about Robert Bridges. Uh, So a contemporary setting and an older setting of two pieces about the Holy Spirit.
Our next piece uh, is from the 16th century, Dum Complerenta. It's always a bit classier if you have it in Latin. It's uh, part of the liturgy for Pentecost, based uh, around the familiar words of Acts chapter 2, at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, written by Giovanni Pierre Luigi de Palestrina, usually regarded as the greatest composer of the 16th century. He found in his spare time uh, enough energy to write 105 masses and 250 motets. So if you haven't started yet, you need to get cracking. He spent his whole career around Rome. Palestrina is, as some of you will know, a small town quite close to Rome from which he gets his name, not the other way around. And uh, he found himself in serious trouble uh, with the election of a new pope who decided that everyone who sang in St. Peter's in Rome needed to be ordained. Well, by this time, Palestrina already had a wife and four children who weren't going to go away in a hurry. Uh, and so he had to go and sing elsewhere. There are actually one or two other churches in Rome, as you may be aware. So he wasn't idle. But as is the, often the way of these things, they missed him so much that they managed to find a clause and a bit of persuasion and push the Pope out, and they got him back in. So he spent almost all of his life at St. Peter's uh, in Rome. Uh, this is an opportunity to reflect on, the, I guess, the two sides of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the bang crash of the wind and the fire, and then for those Methodists with us, the heart strangely warmed to the softly, softly, uh, more subtle uh, dimensions of the Holy Spirit. But the simplest way to think about the significance of the Holy Spirit in terms of Trinitarian theology is to say if, if Jesus is a human being and remains a human being after he ascends to heaven, he can only be in one place at a time. So if he's in heaven, he can't be here. So how does God work here? God works here after the ascension by the Holy Spirit making Christ present on earth. I think that's the simplest way to understand why we have a doctrine of the Holy Spirit in addition to the doctrine of Christ. Some things to reflect on as we listen to the gorgeous Palestrina.
It's time for us all to sing again. And actually, we haven't chosen a piece of Palestrina for you. <coughs> we are uh, choosing a more familiar tune, Abbots Lee. Abbots Lee uh, was a name that rings in my childhood because I grew up in Bristol. And Abbots Lee is a park on the south side of Bristol. I'd never made the connection between that uh, and my childhood, and uh, the name of the, uh, the, uh, the tune of my childhood, until I discovered that the BBC was decamped to Abbotsley in Bristol, the BBC religion department, during the Second World War. And while there, one member of staff of the BBC wrote this very familiar tune. It's one of those tunes that you think has always been with us, but actually it was a, an unusual product of the displacement caused by the Second World War. It's a Trinitarian hymn. It engages with the familiar wind and burning flame of the season of Pentecost. It was written by Stuart Cross, who was Bishop of Doncaster and then went on to be Bishop of Blackburn. Uh, he was formerly himself a, a BBC uh, producer. Sadly, he died not too long after becoming Bishop of Blackburn of Cancer in 1989. We remain seated as the, uh, the choral scholars stand and lead us and sing to the tune Abbotsley, Father, Lord of all creation. <laughs>
Well, we're coming towards the end of Great Sacred Music for this week. Uh, if you've enjoyed yourself, I hope you have. You've got two options on the way out. You can pour all your worldly wealth in cash into the uh, baskets that will be available. Or if you prefer to do things digitally, there's, a, there's one of those QR codes on the back. You can empty out your whole bank account, if you prefer, uh, in a digital way, text, uh, website, etc., including those of you online, you don't get away with it, you know. Uh, do look out for our next uh, Great Sacred Music, Back to Normal next week, Choral Classics on Sunday at 3.15, unsurprisingly has the theme Come Holy Ghost. We're going to finish with a spiritual, uh, God's going to set the world on fire. You may know the story of the Desert Father who went to see, this is uh, in Egypt in the fourth century, who went to see his spiritual director, one of the other desert fathers, uh, and said, how, how do I become holy? Uh, and the, uh, the, the father sa said, well, you know, you say your prayers and then you fast uh, and then you watch for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And, and the, the, the desert father nodded and said, yes, uh, uh, I do all those things. Can you can you tell me a little bit more? And the spiritual director finally turned turned round, opened out his arms, turned to heaven, and says, "You will become all flame." So there's something to do this afternoon. We're going to finish with God's going to set this world on fire in the same spirit. Set this world on fire.